love you. Gentlefolk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us here on the couch? I am the Green Traveler! <laughs> and I am the Faceless Leon! Ooh! This is Green Faces on the Couch, a podcast about movies and television. That's correct, and we're not technically in uh, the Halloween season yet, but we're not leading much. into it just a, just a tad early, huh? just a little early. We're getting the Get pedal our- to the metal right now. Hell yeah. Getting our toes wet. We're going in for it, guys. We got another TV Talks for you. Uh, I had actually already seen this uh, the first few seasons of the oh, show, yeah. so Same here. that's why it was easy for me to watch this is because I've gotten through it. I know what to expect. It's it's hard for me to watch new stuff because if it doesn't grab me, I don't want to stick with it. But if I know where it's going, it's easier for me to stick with it. Very true. Very true. So this is going to be a very delayed review. We we've decided to do one season. Of American Horror Story every year, as long as it gets views, I guess. <laughs> true, uh, too true. <laughs> so we're here with uh, Murder House. You know, a lot of yeah. people. You know, a lot of people know about this show. Not a lot of people though are out there are super horror fans. So maybe they didn't catch it. You know, they know about maybe. the show, but maybe they didn't listen to it. Maybe they listened to our show, and maybe we can v- convince them one way or the other if they should watch this show. And I like that you say one way or the other, because again, even though we're planning on doing this for years to come, you know, the tiny little tradition for Halloween to, you know, start it off with a, with a TV talks of American horror story. That doesn't mean we love this show. It just means it's a horror show. That's easy to do in this format. Yeah. It's a, I, I like the format of this show. It's a, a one year anthology. Every year it's a different, a different story and yeah. uh, i think that's a wonderful idea do they pull it off every year we'll, no, we'll see we'll find out <laughs> yeah and uh and that's that, that horror lends itself really well to anthology because like oh, yeah. uh as as you will as we will talk about soon coming up in our our uh horror franchise playlist that we're going to start uh next monday or you know the the two big franchises friday the 13th and halloween were both meant to be anthology film series. It wasn't meant to be, we're going to focus on one killer. We're going to actually, you know, Friday the 13th was like, we're going to talk Friday the 13th and fun superstitions around that. And Halloween is, we're going to do, you know, fun superstitions around the Halloween franchise. It just, it lends itself perfectly to that idea. The problem is, it doesn't always make money. Yeah. It's a little easier to do that with television because people okay, are, fine. you know, for whatever fucking reason, people don't want to give their give two hours of their time to a film, and they, they say that's a huge chunk of time to give, but they will give literal years of their life to television and not think about it. And it just <laughs> it, it blows my mind whenever I talk to people and they they watch so much television, but then when I'm just like, why don't you watch movies? And you're just like, well, that's a lot of time to give to a movie. It's like <laughs> it's it's two hours, and typically you're gonna binge watch that. Like you're gonna well, end up going through two or three hours of television. <laughs> yeah, it it just it doesn't depends, feel like that. Though. Like yeah, yeah, but the, like people like variety though too. Like somebody will yeah. watch one episode from a show and then go to a different episode of a show. That's really hard for me. Yeah, I can barely keep my mind on that. I can read three books at a time, but for I, for a television show, it's hard for me to do that because they just start to blur together after a while. I just tried to count how many television shows i'm in the middle of oh man <laughs> uh and i couldn't do it and i know some of them dropped off but see that's the thing too like if i'm not interested in in something i'll give it a couple of shots and yeah. then i'll drop off of it because yeah like you said it is time that i'm putting into it but i i do not currently get to watch that much television yeah because I'm back working at a theater, and sometimes they like you to be there from 9 in the morning until 9 at night, or, yeah. you know, 11. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I've lived that life 
most of my high school through college. It was fun. Well, not really college, just most of high school. We did a couple. Your computer software days were like that, though. Yeah, yeah, they were very sure. much like that. But about high school was like actual theater. Like I was, I was constantly working theater jobs in high school. But college, I didn't do much theater. It was just, just class, just stupid studying in a library. Not fun at all. No, doesn't sound. No. Take me out of my coffin. Take oh, gosh. me into the antechamber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. If this is gonna work, it isn't clear. Welcome to the faceless pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you brought it around. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, the only line I wrote down was take me out of my coffin. Um, so <laughs> I have three TV shows that I have prepared just for this, this special edition Ooh. of the faceless pitch. Got some, uh, some scary things to talk about. Yay! First off, curdle my blood. <laughs> well, they're not all that blood curdling. But the first one I I, <laughs> I want to talk about is Castlevania, the Netflix animated series. Uh, this nice, show, nice. Uh, honestly, I'll, I'll I'll go out and say it is amazing. Uh, it, tr- it stars Richard Armitage as Trevor Belmont who is the descendant of monster hunters in the story. His family has been excommunicated. And so he kind of lives life on the edge, killing a monster here or there, doing enough to afford drink. He eventually meets Saifa Belnades, played by Alejandra Reynoso. And she does a great... They both do a great job. They have great chemistry uh, and uh, eventually you add car- uh, a third party to their uh, adventuring troop named Alucard. And people who know the series, I think, will know more about him. I, I don't really want to give too much away. He's played by James Callis. Yeah. Giving it away would be backwards thinking logic. It would be backwards thinking logic. You're right. <laughs> so... Their mission in the uh, first two seasons, at least, is to stop Dracula from killing literally every human on Earth because a priest burnt his wife at the stake as a witch. What an asshole. Yeah, the priest. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Because Dracula was really turning it around. He was like, <laughs> you know what? You know, maybe these humans aren't so bad, and I'm gonna go travel. Maybe I should stop impaling them. Uh, yeah, mm. I'm gonna stop impaling them. I'm gonna drink only as much blood as I need, and I'm gonna go travel as a human <laughs> around the world because that's what my wife uh, suggested, so that I can get better perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Glistening in the sunlight like a beautiful diamond deer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the diamond, the diamond sparkles from Twilight are definitely in this series. Yes. It's a common vampire trope now. A, yes. They, they all glisten in the sunlight. So, in this show, though, for real, if they contact light, they, they do burst into flames. <laughs> but he he is traveling the world and comes back home and his wife is dead. And Shit. Yeah. And then he, yeah, summons all these night creatures with the help of his forge master's. Hector and Isaac, played by Theo James, and Ede to Combo McCormick. They both, these guys kind of ended up being, well, Isaac in particular ended up being my favorite character. Um, And they are humans in Dracula's court. Interesting. Yes. So they have, for each their own reason, have a vendetta or dislike of humans. And it's very... Very mm. interesting. They're both of their stories and how they intertwine. And I recommend the whole series. I think it's only had four seasons so far. That might be the end of it. It, it had a very solid ending at that. So we'll see. What do you think? Uh, I mean, easy swing for me. I I love the Castlevania games. Like that's 
by far, I've never beaten them. Uh, I've always gotten to the last world and all of them kind of, I mean, there's some that I've beaten, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I could beat Castlevania too if I really tried because it's just stupid. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard, I mean, it's actually, actually, it's pretty fucking hard. It's just stupid hard. But I don't know. Castlevania is one of those like easy loves for me. It's, it's very uh, eerie game and, you know, just making an animation on it, putting it on Netflix, like, that's great. I've already seen the first season. For whatever reason, I didn't go back I to will it. Say, I don't remember I will why. I tell you. The first season, at the end of it, I, I don't know. It, it kind of seemed like it ended in the middle of a season. It didn't really f- tell a complete story. And so, it took me a long mm-hmm. time to come back to it. It was also like, it. that's all that there was, I think, when both of us watched it. Yeah, I do remember watching it when it came out and then not, you know, not sticking around for the next season. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and give it a swing. And especially being, you know, horror times, it's perfect yeah. time to do so. So, easy swing. What's up next? Who's uh, up next, that? it's John Wayne Gacy, which sounds like a baseball star. John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise, this documentary series. I talked about... uh Sons of Sam, uh, last time, maybe a couple times ago, but this is very much in the same, a similar vein as that, except for it is directly talking about interviews with John Wayne Gacy. Yes. And it, it was like around that year before his sentence was fulfilled, we'll say. So John Wayne Gacy is a serial killer. And he targeted uh, younger boys, teenage boys, and they found, I think, 33 bodies in his crawl space and throughout his house after they took him in. Yeah, really, really scary kind of messed up stuff. Thing about John Wayne Gacy, though, was that he was a well-known member of the community. He was involved in local uh, politics he had a business, a construction business, and had worked on a lot of people's houses. So this really shook this community, obviously, and and all of America, because we are like, oh shit, it could be fucking anybody. His interviews right. <laughs> allude that he did not act alone. That's what he is trying to allude to. And, you know, it might be him trying to get a lighter sentence. He very much is an attention seeker. Uh, John Wayne Gacy was. So they are not sure if what he's saying is true. But a lot of the things he said about these two young men in particular that he lived with and this old man who was known in the area and had been a felon at one point, that makes a lot of sense. So it's worth watching and people have looked into it, but like this, this old guy had died by the time he was talking about it. And there's, there's this whole like criminal world that he was alluding to in this community. So if you're interested in that, I recommend it, but I will say that it is in production value a little bit less than the Sons of Sam that I talked about before. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would, it's hard for me on that one. I I would probably let this one slide by. Like, docuseries are hard, are very difficult for me because it all depends on how they're trying to manipulate you. What, what, what views they're trying to get across. Like with, with serial killers, it seems like it's a very easy one. Like that seems like, you know, I don't care what the opposing viewpoints are. The dude murdered people. And like, as long as they're not trying to glorify him in any way, then I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll be interested. But like, there's so many, there's so many docuseries where it's like, they're trying to vilify something or someone and they'll just, they'll just slip that line in there where it's like, we reached out to them for contact, but they declined to do, you know, comment on it. All that means is that they sent them a letter by snail mail a week before the publication of the movie came out and that the person didn't receive the mail in time to mm. contact them. <laughs> like, that's all that means by law. And in so many cases, that's how it happens is the, the documentarian sent them something 
very calm and like, you know, small letters like, hey, do you want to comment on this one thing? And the person looked at him and was like, no, I most certainly do not. And didn't realize that what they were saying was, we're making a documentary that's about to slander the fuck out of you. Do you want to sure. talk about it? So, it's like, it, it's docuseries are just so very hard for me to want to watch because you have to do your own research to see how right. much research they did, how much like right. how how loyal they were to the story in a non-biased scenario. But again, being about serial killers, it's very hard to not be non-biased because serial killers oh, yeah. are just monsters. So, it's like you, you yeah. should be against them. So, it's like as long as it's against them, I think oh, I might yeah. be it interested. Oh, yeah. It does not but... by any means paint John Wayne Gacy in a good light. I mean, everybody who's talking right. is convinced that he killed at least some of those people. And maybe even people out of state because he traveled quite a bit. There, There's no reason to suspect that he didn't. And serial killers are very, like, intriguing to me, like, and not in a, you know, in a good way, but, like, in the way that a lot of people are listen to, you know, crime right. podcasts and all that kind of stuff, because it's just, it's, it's kind of scary to think about that that stuff happens in real life, and then you're just kind of wondering how people got to that kind of place in their life that they would, you know, do such a thing. So, like, it's, <clears throat> I'll say it looks like a strike. But I'm going to let it go by and Sounds see what good. the umpire well, calls it. Well, if you are interested in John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise, it is on Peacock. And uh, it was intriguing nice. enough for me to watch, I think, the six episodes that it was. Lastly, we have American Horror Stories. Oh, yes. Ew. Another spinoff. Didn't, aren't they, like, didn't Scream Queens spin off of this? I don't know. I never watched that. I, don't know. I was going to say, I stopped watching American Horror Story when uh, uh, the last one I watched was the first season Lady Gaga was in. And I don't mention that to say that Lady Gaga was the reason I stopped watching. That was just the last one right, that I kept right. up that on was, television. That with. was the last one for me, too. But after that year, I was like, I'm not right. doing this anymore. I'm not going to keep up with television shows right. except for right. Doctor Who. This, though, I do wish that I would have caught Roanoke on live because when I came back to it, I was like, oh, man, they actually knew what they were doing with it for this one. We'll talk about Roanoke oh. when we get to it, I guess. That's like, I don't know. That's six years seven from years, now. Yeah, seven years like from now. So American <laughs> Horror Stories it is American Horror Story, but told so that the anthology is every episode rather than a whole season and i say that except for the first two are a two-parter and three of the uh let's see how many how many episodes is it i think it might be eight it's either eight or ten episodes three of them are at murder house so you can look forward to that when you come to it some reoccurring characters, not very many. So, it, I don't know how to talk about each individual story, but there are some things that I really liked about it. But some, I will say, more than half of the individual stories were just fun enough to keep me watching it. Which, I mean, I guess that's all it needed to be. There was one that was kind of like Videodrome that I thought would like the concept was okay, but you know, it, it it's all kind of stuff that had been done before the stuff that they did at murder house. I thought was pretty good. I thought it was mi- missing more of those original characters, but you know, they, they could do only what they can do. I'm sure. And, there's a couple of stories that, like I said, I just don't like that much. Like there's this one that was a big satire on um, social media and these guys decided to post them watching this guy leap off a bridge to his death, which, you know, has happened in real life. And the only good part and is the best part maybe of the whole series is that because they pissed him off, they get chased down and murdered one by one by a Danny Trejo Santa Claus. And he he was yeah. It is awesome. That that is the best part of the whole show. 
And that episode is worth it just for that. But I don't like the concept of the other characters. But you know what? They all get killed by Santa Claus, Danny Trejo. What more do I want from life? (laughs) Sounds very... uh... Very much like uh, I know what you did yeah. last summer, where it's like, "Oops, we we killed killed a guy, and now he's alive and he's killing us." <laughs> so, yeah. so this Santa Claus, I'm gonna go ahead and just spoil this whole episode for you guys. I'm sorry if 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 you want to watch it, but he goes around once a year and kills a Santa Claus, like a mall Santa Claus, and takes over their post, and they they. <laughs> went to this mall and started pulling pranks at the kids Santa Claus line and like there's some very distasteful stuff that they do then Danny Trejo stands up and he's like I don't know he might say you've been naughty or something some bullshit like that but he I didn't even recognize it as Danny Trejo at first I just I said man that is one weathered Santa Claus that they got up there (laughs) (laughs) like he he looks like he's mean and uh, because it's just through this beard right you know and he even has like spectacles on so but later later when he's attacking them he doesn't have the beard on he and his hair is kind of out of the cap a little bit it's good it's good time that that particular part was good and there's other good moments too but all in all, I don't know about the series. What do you think? Same as last one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this one slide by, see what the ump calls it. Maybe I'll call it a strikeout. And yeah. like, ah, fuck. But it's whatever. But I mean, like you had asked initially because we we had thought about doing this uh, the TV Talks episode. And you're like, should we do American Horror Story or should we just go ahead and do American Horror Stories? Right. Since this is a new release, it's something we can, you know, something fresh we could talk about. And I looked very briefly into it, so briefly that I didn't know anything about it still, but just enough to, like, see a little bit of reviews and was immediately right. like, no, nah, I'm not interested. Like, from the, the the very few things I saw, I was just like, no, nah, I don't – we may get here, you know, way down the line 10 years from now when we finish American Horror Story and we, we start this, like, maybe. But I don't know. It's just like – again, the anthology right. sounds good. It should work. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of this is just like right. offshoots of everything else. Like they just took storylines that have done well elsewhere and just that is repurposed pretty much it. I I got to say some of the stuff that did yeah. Murder House is worth watching. I I will say watch the three Murder House episodes if you really love Murder House and ju- just for Danny Trejo watch that episode. I'm sure there's other stories that are worth it and I'm sorry that I'm not giving due credit to them. I was just a little disappointed. <laughs> it seems like it. But Murder House no, wasn't that In fact, when it first came out, I remember being very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely great television when and way back right. in two thousand eleven <laughs> when we were both uh we were both starting out in college. I don't think we actually watched this as it was coming out. I think we might have watched it after the fact. Um I think maybe waited until it was yeah, on Netflix or something. Yeah, we might have caught the first one on Netflix because I, I, I recall trying to watch Asylum right afterwards and it was kind of difficult because we we wanted to get caught up to watch Kevin live because we watched Kevin live together. Yeah, yeah, I remembered that. Cause it was it was good enter- it, it was good entertainment for a weekly yeah. basis. You know, one episode a week, they provided something kind of new. They took it in a few different directions, and it feels real good. When you binge it, sometimes the characters seem like they yeah, fluctuate in bit. their emotions, and you're just kind of left like, uh, what happened? Like, you, you weren't this pissed right. at the end of the last episode, and now you're real pissed. So, it feels a little off, but when you have a whole week between episodes, right. it worked really well, and you know, it was a lot of fun to watch back in the day. But re- rewatching it, I picked up a, a little bit more on on Murder House, and I was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard to get through at times. There, you know, I got maybe like three or four episodes in, and then had to take a break, and then I finished the rest of it in one strong go. But like, I don't know, getting back into it was a bit of a bit of a rough go because those first four episodes, 
Like, right. they're good television, but the the thing with television, and again, another reason why it's hard for me to watch it is it's it's trying to tell a story on par with what I've seen in movies, but not with the right. same budget. And so it's always it's it always just feels a little weaker in its storytelling. And so there's there's many things with this, you know, the first season, I don't know their budget, but I assume being a new season, it didn't have sure. like the greatest of budgets. It was something to go off of. And they they do the best with what they have and and how they edit things. But it, there there are just some moments that felt very like student, very right. amateur like and I was just like in those first few episodes, I mean, it, it just it took me a while to get into the style of how they were telling the story because there's a lot of like weird jump oh, cuts yeah. in their edits I didn't where that. they'll they'll be in a, they'll be in a scene and you're you're focusing on uh, is it Dylan McDermott uh, Dylan, or David Duchovny? I I think it's Dylan. I'm sorry, Dylan McDermott. Yes. Yeah, see, they're they're two skinny white guys with black hair, and the first names are D names. And I watched X Files the same time I got introduced okay. to Dylan McDermott. <laughs> So it's it's very they they get mixed up. I'm sorry, David Duchovny, Dylan McDermott. I'm sorry, you are another Elijah Wood and uh, Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> pairing, where it's just like y- you look so similar that it's like I know who, who each of you are, but recapping your name to the face is just hard for me. But Dylan McDermott, uh, there's moments where you'll be in a scene with him, and you know he's throughout the show, throughout the season, he's like slightly going more and right. more insane, like not going crazy. But just having these little mental slips. And in those scenes, you'll have a lot of little jump cuts where the camera will be facing straight on and he'll be in the center and it'll cut and he'll be in the left and it'll cut and he'll be close up and it'll be very, very close to his eyes or whatever. And it it just keeps cutting very drastically to throw you off. And that's a great horror trope. You know, it's a good thing. But... It just took me a while to get into how they were doing that, how they were utilizing all this stuff. Really, the the opposite experience on the opening. I I got pretty excited right at the beginning uh, because you know there were certain things that I had forgotten, and I was like, oh, I remember that being a fun element. I I'm excited to remember where that goes. Also, though, I did have a moment where I was like, okay. I'm getting it's getting a little old, but that was more towards the middle for me. I think this story, what really this whole series in the early uh, parts of it is that they spread the story over way too many episodes. It, it, I mean, it, that's mm-hmm. I think really most television's problem. And if we're if we're being honest, not only did they spread the story over too many episodes, they spread way too many stories over way yes, too many episodes. Yes, and that is because they had to spread it over so many episodes. If they had less episodes, they would have had right. to bring in less characters. Like, for example, one character that just absolutely didn't have to be in this was the Black Dahlia. Right, and uh, there's another, uh, while you're looking up, the Black Dolly, there's another character, too, who I say doesn't really need to be in it. And that's the, uh, I don't remember her name. So, if you could look her name up, too. It's the uh, the wife oh, of the, yeah. the surgeon. Her character literally doesn't provide anything for it Nora. other than another person You're to talk one about of the Nora two twins. Montgomery, Nora. Um, played by Lily yeah. Rabe. Uh, I love yeah, her. I, yeah, I love really her. Like, she's but, great. Yeah. And, like, the surgeon is needed. He provides a lot of input into the story through the background. Like, they don't need to focus on him at all, really but he is another, you know, much. person of the house. Uh, but he he built no. a house for her. I don't know. I kind of like that story. But, yeah, they could have done right. more. I think they what th- that particular story, they should have done more with her and the twins. Because once she finally gets the baby, exactly. spoiler, she doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. So, she gives it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that and that happens in a matter of a minute. Like it's like a two minute scene where she's like crying, and then she's like, "You take the baby back." Why did we build this story up? You're like you're one hundred percent right. They should have done so much more with it. But the Black Dahlia, they don't. <laughs> she's just there. They don't label <laughs> her as the Black Dahlia, so I don't actually remember who right, that, right. what that character given name was. So. I cannot credit you. Dread. I apologize. Because I thought, you know, she did a, an all right job with mm-hmm. 
they were just trying to pack this house with ghosts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's great. There are a lot of great ghosts. Uh-huh. It's just, a- a- after a while, I don't care no. about all of their B-plots. The plot that I do care about is mostly with Tate. I think that uh, Evan Peters is just a very interesting actor. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he, he just draws brilliant. me in. And I, I'm happy that his career is oh, you know, booming, too, because, like, I love him in American Horror Story, and I love him outside of it. I personally am not a fan of their story with Tate, because they spent the first half of the show building him up and making you kind of like his character and feel sympathy for his character. And then there's a midway point in the season, spoilers, everybody, where you find out he's a school shooter. And I do not like glorifying villains like that because if it, it was one thing, if he was possessed by the house, which is kind of what but they slightly try to imply, imply was, yeah, yeah, his mind was affected by it. Which that's good if they had if they had focused on that more and made that more of a thing, then that would have been fine. But all it kind of feels like is he was a messed up kid who got a little more messed up by the house and then went and shot a lot of people. And they have just made me like feel very you know sympathetic for this character and then immediately that shut off. I'm like, all right, I do not feel sympathy for this kid. And they continue trying to make you sympathize with him and trying to make him slightly a bit of a hero for Tessa Farmiga's character, Violet, right. who is the daughter of the family that's and living also, there. And also, like, their relationship and, like, is just entirely problematic, too, because he is obviously yeah. older than her. Like, he's supposed to be high school age, but she is, like, mm-hmm. 13 or something like that. Uh, I don't know, actually, how old she is, but it's too much of an age disparity. Right. And not to attach her to her sister, but she is the uh, the younger sister of Vera Farmiga from the Conjuring franchise, gotcha. who had warned her about getting into the horror industry because she's like, if you do this, you will most likely get typecast. Mm-hmm. That is a, a female actor's fear is like, once you become a scream queen, you're always a scream right, queen. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it took Jamie Lee Curtis a lot to get out right. of it. And now she's right back. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Well, you know what though? <laughs> Honestly, her new look in the in that particular series looks a lot like my yeah. grandmother, um, except yeah. for fit and nice. badass. So I enjoy watching it particularly yeah. for that reason. See, I think that's the thing is I think being a screen queen is fun. It's just if it's all you do, it gets tiring. So it's like she was able to. I think Jimmy Lee Curtis had fun being the Scream Queen, at least for Halloween one. We'll talk Halloween two, but once she was able to break free from that and establish herself as an actor, then she's like now she's like able to do whatever she wants. Right. She looked back and she was like, Scream Queen was a lot of fucking fun. fun. And now I'm I sure it was. And now I get to be the Scream Queen with the shotgun. Yeah. So <laughs> she really is badass in that particular movie. Um scary but. yeah yeah but but i i agree with you though uh Tate, tate's relationship with violet is just it's very problematic yeah. and i just i do not like his character and i do not like i like that he gets focused and i wish they had focused more on his story mm-hmm. and more on vilifying him see i i do don't. understand the, what you're saying about the sympathy but honestly i feel like there's a bit of a balance there because he does just the stupidest most obscene things throughout the show so i i do not like tate as a person i just think he's a very Mm -hmm. interesting character because dylan mcdermott at one point it says like you are only able to talk to me like this and convince me like this because you're a psychopath and a magnificent actor because of that so I think that right. that sympathy is kind of important for his character to show that that's not who he really is. He is this monster character, right. even if he seems like he doesn't want to be. Right. But then but then juxtapose that with the scene where Violet takes sleeping pills right. and he tries desperately to save her life by shoving her in a, you know, in a shower, trying right. to get her to vomit the pills out like I. I agree with you. There is they're they're trying to attempt a balance, but then they have these emotional scenes where he is in a way trying to be a hero, trying right. to save her life, 
trying to keep her from being locked in this house forever. I don't know. And, and, and at the same time, there's there's a lot of under the covers plans by him to keep her in the house forever. So that they do try to find the balance. And I guess it's up to the viewer whether they find it or not. For me, they, they did not find it because right. it, it felt like heavily sympathetic yeah, towards that, this character. It's fucked up. But I, I do think what they might have been trying to accomplish at the time is that maybe we should, we need to look out for the warning signs of those people and get them help before they get to that point. Because Right, because right. There is a good they, mental health message. They are human. There's a re there's something yeah. in their brain that switches or whatever that brings them to that point. So I, I think mm-hmm. stories like this are important and to it is important to realize that those people are human. Right. I don't know why it's such a sensitive subject because it's like I've never well, personally I mean, We were in high school when it started becoming a really common occurrence. Common thing. Yeah, because Stephen King has a short story called Rage, which is about a, a school shooter. And I I remembered reading that and it was like, it, it, it's very haunting because it's another one of those where he like, you know, he's trying to build up the story, what got them there. And, and naturally, how these stories occur, it's, you know, it's you, it's sympathizing, it's sympathetic. Right. You, you feel for the traumatic events that lead these kids to these kind of situations because it, it usually is traumatizing and out of their control. But yeah, it's 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 rough. It's rough to it's rough to handle. And I just how they handled it in a way kind of felt just more dramatizing sure. and glorifying in I, my opinion. I understand what you're saying 100%. Yeah. Uh so there are definitely some other people very much worth mentioning. I mean, um I don't think okay. Connie Britton continues with the show after this but she plays the mother she is vivian Harmon, uh married to Mm -hmm. who we keep on name dropping dylan mcdermott dr ben Harmon. they have a very uh tumultuous relationship i'll say nothing uh no no physical abuse but there is definitely some psychological abuse going on there yeah ben ben's character suffers from infidelity and uh i I don't know if sex addiction Uh, honestly but yeah, probably. Yeah, some, somewhere along those lines. I like that storyline. That storyline's great. Watching these two characters fluctuate between trying to save their marriage and just just completely wanting to call it quits. That's where it kind of feels like it fluctuates a little too much if you're binge watching it, because they're, it'll end on it on the, with them on a good note, and then it'll start off with them on a bad note, and it's just like. But at the same time, that is just a marriage in their right. situation. You know, there there are days where you'll go to sleep and you're like, you know, we can make this work. And then you'll wake up and you'll just feel a little glum and be like, I don't know if I want to keep waking up next to the, right. uh, this guy who's cheating on me, you know? I, I like them dealing with that. and But him as a <laughs> – Ben as a, as a psychiatrist is – oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> he is not a, good psychiatrist. not a good psychiatrist. Well, the house doesn't help. So, I don't think we really even talked about no. the house. So – they move there from, I, I think New York is where they came from. And they move all the way across the country to LA and into Murder House. And what Murder House is, is a place where they keep on selling it, even though everybody gets murdered in the house. And they yeah. become ghosts. And it's why you should do research on your house before you That's move right. in, everybody. Our house, uh, I found out pretty close to closing. That there used to be like this huge drug dealer here and somebody in the neighborhood broke Ooh. into his house, this house, and beat the shit out of him <laughs> and stole his stuff. But they didn't kill him. They didn't kill him. He almost died, I think. <laughs> yeah. But he, he doesn't haunt it at, at the, the very, very least, least. He doesn't haunt it, but his blood is in the yeah. floors, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, I personally, I personally chose my apartment because, like, I asked the landlords, like, how many people have died here, and she's like, oh, we got this one that's been, you know, vacated for thirteen years because you know eighteen people were murdered there, and I was like, nice, I could be number nineteen. Oh, I'll take it. Oh, nineteen. <laughs> yeah, it's haunted out the. Wa- yeah, it's haunted as fuck, man. It's so is this true? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> This is no, not, not, not at all. <laughs> oh Jesus! 
I do love haunted houses and all that kind of stuff, and I would certainly love like uh, uh, anybody who watches this show or listens to this show that is knows I love horror. Mm-hmm. That is my genre. I like That's to be frightened, even though it's yeah, even though it terrifies me to be frightened, and I do not like it in the moment. I love being frightened. It is such a good adrenaline rush. So it's like it would be so much fun for me one day to plot out a trip across America oh of God. all like the big haunted sites. Carve and everything. like, like 10 that would years be great. off of your life, man. <laughs> I'm not doing anything with them. I'll just be old and crippled. Well, uh, I think there's three <laughs> more characters that I definitely want to mention, and that is yeah. Jessica Lange, who has uh, a very a lot oh, of interest so in the murder house. Easily the best oh, actor they yeah. have on board. Oh yeah, she is. She so plays Constance Langdon. Yeah, she's she's amazing, and she she runs with the show for quite some time. That's I think what yeah. really kept us coming back was her. Yeah, yeah her and Evan Peters, really I think. Good. But also, I really love Francis Conroy as Moira O'Hara. Mm-hmm. There's this cool thing that they do with her because she's one of the ghosts. When a man is in the room, or people who are sexually interested in women she becomes alexandra breckenridge uh, a younger version of herself that is extremely flirtatious uh so her yes. and dr ben get in some uh precarious situations that's a fun storyline i like that storyline uh and moira and yeah. constance's relationship is also pretty great um yeah it's very interesting, and I I think I I think Francis Conroy is in Six Feet Under. Maybe uh, it's a it's either it's either a Showtime or an HBO show that I watched a long time ago about um a, a family mort- uh, that runs a mortician. Yeah, a mortuary. A Thank you. Home. Yeah, those are different. Thank you. Yeah, okay. that's it. It's, I think it's a funeral. I think okay. it's actually a so, pairing because yeah. I think I think the I think the guy who goes on to play Dexter. Yeah. I think Dexter. he. Uh, <laughs> I th- He's the, I think he's a, the business brother, and then the other brother is the mortician. I might be completely wrong, but it's a very good okay. show. It's a very interesting show, but I think that's where I first got introduced to Frances Conroy, and she was kind of another reason I kept coming back to the show, because I love right. her as well. Like, she She's is really good. just very, yeah. And she plays off everybody really oh, well, really? but like, oh my oh, god, yeah. Jessica Definitely. Lange. Uh, I, I do want to talk about yeah. Dennis O'Hare, though, playing Larry Harvey. He does... He does, for this series, some really good stuff. He's always something mm-hmm. that is, what I want to say, it kind of, it's always a little bit of body horror with him. Ju- just a little bit. Right. And in this, half of his body is is burnt very badly. He, like, he's, it's skin graft. It's, it's all, you know, the afterwards. Yeah. It's years after. And he has trouble getting around, yeah. and he... He, he's constantly trying to warn Dr. Ben about the house. He has other motives, too. I, I think his story is also interesting, but more so, I just really like how Dennis O'Hare plays the character. Right, and I like how they use his character, too, because his character is kind of just a, a pawn That's for not, the, the game. And it's it's very interesting. And, you know, he's good. And uh, I think if we're going to mention him... We should also, at the very least, mention two other characters that I... Well, three other characters, but I can't remember one of their names. Okay. But uh, Kate Mara, played by Hay- right, Hayden, uh, who plays playing. Hayden. Yeah, she is the uh, the lady that Ben was infidelious with. That's right. And her character is very attached. Like, she is... Uh, that's her, like, her kind of, like, psych- psychosis. I don't really want to say that, but, like, she's, she's very attached to Ben. Yeah. For very legitimate yeah. reasons, though. I will say. I don't want to give it away, yeah. but yes, there, there's a very good reason why she has an attachment to him. Right. And I and I like how that develops. I like how, you know, Kate Mara is just a great actor, too. Yeah. Uh, she went on to House of Cards from here, and that's what got me into watching House of Cards. So, like, it's very interesting, and I like her a lot. Uh, Zachary Quinto and oh, his husband right. in this yes. are the other two characters oh, I want to see. talk about, because... Uh, you know Zachary Quinto first first introduction for me was Heroes, so finding out he was in American Horror Story was a lot of fun because I fucking love his villain in Heroes, at least in the first season. And uh, Zachary Quinto plays Chad. I don't remember who Chad's husband is, uh, but, either, they, but they're just another married couple. 
that has you know have a very contentious and rocky relationship that they they bought the house hoping they could uh make it make it last bring it bring it back bring back the the beauty of their love but the house does not want that no it doesn't it and wants it, inner it, fighting it, it definitely follows the trope where they kill off their gays even though they're still in the story uh so i guess it plays <laughs> with the trope maybe i don't know but I mean, to be to be fair, I think the showrunners are uh, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. They're very LGBTQ friendly, so they they at least have that storyline in here. Well, I, <laughs> Even if they I do don't just think kill them all. playing the playing with the trope is a problem because it then acknowledges no. the trope, and then people are like, "Oh, yeah. let's not do this trope." <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, normally when you see this kind of a, um, like a haunted house, it's always husband, wife, husband, right. wife. Every every owner was husband, wife. So I'm happy that finally we had like one horror that was like husband, husband slipped in yes. there somewhere. This and is nice. I will say that they do uh, the same thing in the Murder House yeah. episodes in American Horror oh. Stories. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I do I do like their characters though. That's not as well touched upon. It's one of the, the relationships that gets pushed into the background more. But it, it provides some very eerie yeah. entertainment. There there's there's one costume in particular that comes from them that I, I love its involvement in the first oh, season. Yeah. It's the iconic it one if, and it's if you guys still know iconic about. also in American horror stories. Ooh, good. And in pulp fiction. And in pulp fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh you ready for closing statements <clears throat> yeah and I'll, and I'll throw my last thing into the closing statement because uh i'll i'll start with i give it two and a half stars and overall it's a very good and enjoyable show it, it just has some some severe rocky things to it that you know it's not my favorite season of the of what i've of what sure. i have seen i remember i remember being uh impressed by more later on uh, but but the one thing I do want to give severe heavy props, and we'll talk about it even more as we go on with this playlist, is the opening theme. The oh, introduction yeah. theme is incredible. It's uh, it's created by the 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 music, I believe. No, the sequence is created by Kyle Cooper and his company Prologue, which created the Walking Dead opening sequence. Oh, cool. And the music, yeah, the music comes from uh, sound designer Caesar Davila Irizarry. And musician Charlie Clouser. And I just want to give all of them people credit because I fucking love the opening introduction to American Horror Story. At least season one. Yeah. They change it. They change it for each season, but like They do. It it's just it's it's eerie, it's scary, it's it just immediately gets under your skin. Uh yeah, one of the biggest opening introductions is Psycho by uh Alfred Hitchcock, where you know the the title comes in Psycho and everything's jarred and the text jerking back and forth arrhythmically and it's for like nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, that was very unnerving. Right. And if you're gonna op- if you're gonna open up a horror movie or a horror horror TV show or something it's great if you're able to get under the skin before you show off any fucking story. Right. And the, 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 the introduction to American Horror Story is precisely that. It, it's very unnerving, very eerie. And so applause to those guys because they fucking knocked it out of the park. I agree that. 100%. And you know what else happens in American what? Horror Stories? What's that? You can expect that same music. Nice. But different for each episode. That is one thing Ooh. that I really do applaud it for. So even if you wow. just go on YouTube and watch the clips for all of the episodes, some of them are really interesting. Some of them are not nice. that scary at all, but yeah. still an interesting take. Like particular, there's one episode centered around a drive through and it's a lot of like 1950s stuff and they make it a little like uh, that early rock and roll uh twang <laughs> sound you know nice That's <clears throat> so cool. this show though american horror story i will give a face that uh, for murder house anyways so murder house i think was their iconic start there's a reason why they returned to it three times in their spinoff and i think it's alluded to in later seasons as well uh they yeah. also like there's like this line i think that jessica lange says that sets up like the next three seasons 
she talks hmm. about uh, saying asylum. Oh no, no, it wasn't her. It was um, it was the other character that is always in the series. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Yes, she plays a psychic oh, in I this. So I can't too. remember their name, but yeah, she underutilized in this yes, season. Definitely, one hundred percent. But she played the character so well that she becomes pretty much a main character in each season afterwards, but whatever she says, there's these places around the world, like where terrible things happen, like asylums. I, she mentions covens in the same statement and, and and, uh, other stuff. And I was like, Holy shit. So they knew what they wanted to do. They, at least they had an outline somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) They followed some rule. Yeah. I like it. So yeah, a face for this, season i do think i agree with you there are other ones that i like more but this was it just seemed like such a great start when it first when we first watched it and i mean hell i mean coming from the creators of glee this is not at all what i expected so i was so happy i'm not a huge fan of glee like i don't i I like it i think it's a good show it's just yeah i'm not i'm not like unless it's ninja sex party covering a a song i'm not too hip on covers right and i mean you can do a good cover i'm not saying that's not there's anything wrong with covers it's just i usually want to hear the original and the the glee cast i don't think ever delivered a cover that surpassed anything for me no (laughs) but like it's it's so funny to think that the glee creators went on to do american horror story (laughs) well shall we adjourn close the door if you will behind yes. us on murder house yes let's move away from it let's move to a new home all the way across yeah, the country to new york we will see you next year <laughs> yes we will uh, unless we'll we get like see you next week yeah. I was going to say, unless we get overwhelming messages like, do not continue American Horror Story next year. <laughs> Stop trashing my favorite show. You Two and monsters. Stars. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> well, I've been the green face. Wait. I've been, been the green, the green traveler. Face. He's the, I've green been the green face. And I am the blue face. This... And you're the less traveler. I'm the last travel. <laughs> Save travels and good night. I'm the faceless Leon. I just wanted to get that one. <laughs> Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.